Father, what tremendous, intimate, life-changing, eternal truth we have just sung. Lord, I pray through this we would have seen afresh again our need for your Holy Spirit in the fight against sin, in pursuing you and holiness. Father, we apart from you can do nothing. May we be reminded of that this morning and humbled and still in your presence right now. Father, I pray that as we open your word this morning, that every eye would see, every ear would hear, and every heart would respond to what you would say to your church. God, that we would not set ourselves up against you in pride. We would willingly, joyfully, eagerly humble ourselves, knowing that this is the greatest truth of all time. Father, there is no other truth that can change a life. And if we are willing to humble ourselves under it, Father, you will have your way. And ultimately, help us walk in freedom. So, Father, I ask that we would make much of Jesus Christ through your word today. Father, I pray that we would pay attention and you would remove distraction and that you would be pleased with the offering of our hearts today. And church, if you agree, in the name of Jesus Christ, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Oh, I get weepy when I hear that song before I come to preach. That's not a good combination all of a sudden up here. Well, good morning, church. It is so uh, wonderful, and I mean that so genuinely. It is just wonderful to be back in the house of the Lord with all of you this morning. And today we're continuing our walk through 1 John in our series, Walking in the Light. And today the message title is this, Living as a Child of God. Living as a child of God from 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 to 10, the next section in our walk through 1 John. And last week, I was so glad to have Pastor Eric here from Iglesia Doxa last week. Weren't you? Weren't you? Weren't you? Praising the Lord for what he's doing in Quebec. Yes, absolutely. As we're seeing the gospel advance there. And Pastor Eric walked us through our identity last week as children of God and what it means that we are adopted by him. What does it mean that we are adopted by God Almighty as our Father? And this week, John now moves on to speak of, okay, we're adopted. That's the what piece. Now we're moving into the how we are to live out our lives as children of God. How we're to live out our lives as children of God. And I want you to think about this. Um, as the ushers come forward, by the way, if you have, do not have a copy of God's word in front of you, put up your hand. We want to put one in front of you. You're going to need a copy of God's word to go through the text today. So make sure your hand's up nice and high, and we're going to drop a Bible in front of you. And if you do not have one at home, please keep that as our gift to you to continue to study God's word. Question that sets the tone for today, church. It is this. What does the life of a child of God look like? Fair question. What is the life of a Christian supposed to look like? I mean, we hear that term Christian tossed around quite a bit. We looked at a stat, 67.3% of Canadians identify themselves as Christians right now, as of October 7th. Okay? But what is the life of a child of God supposed to look like? I mean, what is to be distinct about it? Hmm. I'm so thankful for God's word. It's so clear of what it is to look like, but if I could sum it up, I'd say this. The life of a child of God is a life that is incompatible with the practice of sin. Summary statement. The life of a child of God is a life that is incompatible 
with the practice of sin. One is the enemy of the other. That's going to set the tone for the rest of where John's taking us today. John Piper, I love how he described this. You'll see it on the screen. He says, genuine Christians see sin in their life, hate it, confess it, and fight it. Genuine Christians see sin in their life. They hate it, they confess it, and they fight it. And they do so with increasing vigilance as they grow up into Christ. With increasing vigilance as they grow up into Christ. This is the mark of distinction of a Christ follower. But there's a problem. Look around us today. There's a problem. Too many people who say they are Christians or identify themselves as children of God think and act just like the world does. They think and act just like the world does. They claim to believe Christ in his word, but their lives don't show that. And as a result, they are living in deception. They are living in deception, leading others into deception, and their lives are literally hanging in the balance. See, let's get some context of our passage today. John continues his letter to his church in Asia Minor, and his goal for this section is to confront the falsely assured people. This is why he wrote this section, is to confront the falsely assured people who believe they are Christians and wake them up to their true spiritual status, while at the same time giving assurance to the genuine believers of the faith they have in Christ and the victory they have over the power of their sin in their lives as true children of God. So he wants to wake up the falsely assured. And he wants to give assurance to those who are genuinely in the faith. And here we are given three key distinctions that should be increasingly evident, increasingly evident in the lives of those who claim to be followers of Christ as they live out their identity as children of God. And to honor God's word, let's stand and come under its authority. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 to 10. The word of the Lord says this, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. He cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. A sobering word for us this morning. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, to live as a child of God, our first point is this. You must remember the character of Christ, holiness. I love that song that we just sang, holy, holy, holy. Don't lose the significance of that. Because to live as a child of God, the first thing we must do is remember the character of Christ, holiness. Look at verses 4 and 5. 
John goes on to say, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. See, John starts off here by giving a clear picture of the life of one who is engaged in the practice of sin and the implications or severity of what it means in our relationship with God. We have to understand the severity of sin and the impact it has on our relationship with God and God's people. The word practice there, where he says everyone in verse four, everyone who makes a practice of sinning, the Greek for that is a habitual or ongoing act, a general direction of one's life. Ongoing act, the practice of sin. Now, just so we're on the same page and for clarity's sake, let's get a definition of sin. You'll see it on the screen. Sin, a deliberate rejection of God's standards and a resorting to one's own desires. If I could sum it up, a failure to uphold God's law. Any sin. There's our definition of sin. A deliberate rejection or defiance of God's standards and a resorting to one's own desires, a failure to uphold God's law. And in effect, any sin that we commit is tantamount. Do we have to recognize the significance of this? The nature of sin and the wickedness of it. It is tantamount to saying to God, I hate your law. I'm pursuing my own desire. That's the severity of it. How do we know this? How do we know this? This isn't just Pastor Ray, but this is actually God's view on sin. John goes on to say it. Next part. Sin is lawlessness. See that? Whoever makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Why? Because sin is lawlessness. Verse 4. Now, what's lawlessness? We've got to get on the same page here. The Greek for lawlessness is this. It's an utter disregard for God's law. An utter disregard for God's law, rebelling against God and living as if there is no law. It's rejecting God's rightful rule over your life. Do we think of sin that way? A rejection of God's rightful rule over our lives. An utter disregard for God's law. This is serious stuff. And John uses this term. Notice how he repeats it twice. He wants to make sure we get it. Everyone who practices, makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Hey, loved ones, sin is lawlessness. He doesn't want us to miss that. He repeats it twice here in the first verse to emphasize the seriousness of sin in our relation to God. All sin is a rejection of him. Is this how you and I think of sin? When we're tempted to compromise on our integrity, when we're tempted to lie, when we're tempted to look at that image on the computer, when we're tempted to lose our temper from selfish desires with our children, is this what we think of we are doing? You see, we often will recognize that it isn't good, but we often don't recognize the true seriousness of it. John then affirms the true believers of what they already have come to know. 
Look in verse 5. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. He affirms the genuine believers in what they already know, that Jesus Christ, the he there, Jesus Christ appeared and, or came into the world to take away sins. I love the Greek term for take away. It means this, to remove or to cause sins to cease. That's why Jesus Christ appeared. Awesome. Awesome. If you're going to call anything awesome, we call that awesome. Okay? Not the latest movie. Okay? Let's not go busting rank on the Lord. Okay? And he could do this because in him, in Jesus Christ, there is no sin. He said in verse 5, there is no sin. Because his nature or character is perfection. He is perfectly holy. Reminder, Jesus Christ has perfection perfected. Awesome. Awesome. He's perfectly holy. Think about this. Think about this. We can look, we can throw terms around of holiness and all this stuff so often. But think about what this means. Come back to the fundamentals, loved ones. There is not one ounce of sin in him or ever done by him. Not one ounce in all of eternity. Again, don't let your familiarity with this minimize the magnitude of it. Danger, danger. Okay, let's dive into what that actually means. Jesus Christ came to earth, the Son of God, as fully God and fully man. It's called the incarnation. Fully God, fully man. He lived 33 years, okay? I'm 38, I'm close to that. 33 years Jesus lived without even sinning one time. How's that going for you? I know, totally convicting on me this week too. He didn't sin one time. Okay, let's break that down a little bit. He did not sin in one moment of one day. For 33 years. Okay, let's keep going. He was tempted in every way that you and I are and yet did not sin. Now we hear that from Hebrews 4 and we can skip on. Oh, oh, let's drill down a little bit as to what that means. Jesus Christ never gave in to lust once. Not one lustful thought. And he hung around prostitutes a lot of the time. Okay. He never had one prideful thought or action. He never did one thing to serve himself. 33 years. He never had unbelief in even one of God's promises. Are we starting to see the significance of this? But wait, there's more. He never coveted even one thing someone else had. How about you? How about me? He never complained once. Okay, I was done at that point. As if I wasn't already done. He never complained once. Okay, wait. Uh, he never disobeyed his parents. 
man, do I feel sorry for brother number two. Like, seriously. Like, think about this. Scripture says, honor your father and mother. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Jesus Christ never disobeyed. Once in 33 years. His practice was not sin, but rather perfection. Living to perfection God's holy and righteous standard that he desires his people to have. And now, because of him going to the cross and dying to pay the penalty for our sin and rising again three days later in defeating sin for all time, when we confess him as our Lord and Savior, his perfect power flowing from his perfect nature is living and active in us. That's good news. Amen? His perfect power flowing from his perfect nature is living in us. I love how Hebrews 4, 4, 14 to 16 says this. Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold, hey, hey, someone needs encouragement today in this place. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every, get this, every respect, everything you're tempted with and I'm tempted with, Jesus was tempted with. Everything in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence Draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Is that not good news? When that temptation hits, when we're feeling the heat, when the fear is coming in, when the worry starts to take over, tempted in every way, did not sin. Draw near with confidence. See, the truth is this, loved ones. And look around us today. The world will not promote holiness for our lives and we can so easily feel defeated and hopeless when we look around. Right? We could so easily, I mean, turn on the TV, turn on the internet for a few minutes, look at, listen to the radio, look at the ads out there, right? It doesn't promote holiness. What does it promote? Lawlessness. Lawlessness, rebellion against God's law. That's what it promotes. And this is why it's crucial that we remember Christ's nature and power that is within us if we are true children of God. We have to remember it. This is the character that we are called to imitate as his children. And therefore, we must resolve to remember the character of Christ in our daily lives. And not substitute his standard for the lesser standards of this world. To say, live for this. Do this. It'll take you to hell, but do this. We must resolve to remember the character and the power of the one who lives in us. If we have confessed him as our Lord and Savior. We are called not to represent the world. We are called to represent Christ to the world. So question, how often do you think on the character of Christ and the power that we have in him because of it when that temptation is facing you head on? How long do you just stop for a moment when the kids are running around and you're almost at your wit's end? When you and your spouse may be having a bit of an argument, when you're tempted to compromise with your integrity at work, in the entertainment choices that you have in your house, like how often do we stop and say, this is who I'm called to represent, and this is the nature, his nature that is growing in me if I'm a true child of God, and this is the power that I have that flows from that to engage this and not compromise. 
How often do we just stop to remember that? It's crucial. It's crucial. What are you or who are you remembering in that moment and calling out to? Loved ones, in love I say this. There is no power in your fridge to overeat, to calm your anxiety. There is no power in retail therapy. There is no power in what someone else does for you to try to calm your anxiety. You want to know where the power is? The power is in the name of Jesus Christ alone. What are you calling out to? See, here's why this is so important. Because what you put first, church, will always order the rest. What you look to first, where you go first, is always going to order the rest. And in Christ, you have to remember, remember, loved ones, in Christ, when you are in him, you are always fighting from a place of strength because of the character of the one who is in you. You are always fighting from a place of strength. He who is in you, we're going to go on to see in a couple weeks, is greater than he who's in the world. Go back there. Remember the truth of who Jesus Christ is. There is no sin in him. He conquered that for all time, what you're facing. You are not fighting for victory. You are fighting from a place of victory. Always, loved one, be encouraged with that this morning. To live as a child of God, you must remember the character of God. Holiness. Go back to it. Go back to it. Holiness. And from that place of strength, we now can engage in the mission of Christ, destroying sin. To live as a child of God, you must engage in the mission of Christ, destroying sin. Look at verses, or verse 6. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. See, John now makes a very clear contrast between those who are genuine followers of Christ and those who are not. One will keep sinning habitually and leave it unchecked in their lives, and the other will not. It's as clear as it gets. Okay? All right? Now, the word abides there... We've seen this a number of times through John's letter, right? Right? We're going to see it again a number of times as we go through. Abides, the Greek word there means to remain or stay close to or stay rooted in Christ. No one who abides in Christ will keep on sinning. The closer we get to Christ, the more he gives us his heart and the more we start to see sin for what it really is. Now, clarification. John is not speaking here of living lives of sinless perfection. Okay, okay? That's not going to happen until we're with Jesus Christ for eternity in heaven for all those who've repented of their sin and trusted in him. He's not talking about sinless perfection, but rather he's talking about that ongoing, unchecked sin which characterizes the life of non-believers, the practice of it, who may even claim to follow Jesus Christ but are not saved. The ongoing, habitual, unrepented of sin. If I could sum it up, I'd say it this way. You'll see it on the screen. True Christians may fall into sin, but will not continue to walk in sin. 
Okay? Big distinction. True Christians may fall into sin, but will not continue to walk in sin. In a true child of God, revelation of sin will lead to repentance. Revelation will always lead to repentance. In one who's practicing sin, they're called out on it, they see it, doesn't matter. My pride goes up. Who are you to say this? Who are you to judge me? Who are you to do that? You hear it all the time. But revelation in the heart of a true child of God will lead to repentance. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. Why? Why? Because if we know, and the term know in that verse, in verse 6, means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, trusting him as our Lord and Savior. If we know Christ, we will be growing in holiness and not lawlessness. We'll be growing in holiness, not lawlessness, as his power is at work in us, and his nature increasingly becomes our own. That perfect nature that did not sin once, it increasingly becomes our own, and our flesh fights against it. It fights against it all the time, but increasingly, over time, you can say, I'm not who I was, I'm not who I want to be, but here I am by the grace of God alone and his power at work in me. Look what John goes on to say, verse 7 and part of 8. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Pretty clear. Practice righteousness, you're righteous. As he is righteous, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. See, I love that. See that term, little children? I love John. I just, like, here we see the pastoral heart of John warning the believers against the deception of those around them, both on a doctrinal level and a moral level. What they're teaching and how they're living. Okay? All right, now the term, remember, we looked at it two weeks ago when we talked about the need to grow in spiritual discernment. Remember, the term deceive in the Greek means to lead astray or to cause to wander. To lead astray, either morally with their lives. I'm a follower of Christ. Well, they're doing that. I can do this too. Careful. Or doctrinally in their teaching, false teachers. That were rising up in the church, in this case the Gnostics. Who were distorting and twisting the foundational truths of the faith. And deceiving people into believing that a person can truly be born of God and still practice a lifestyle of sin. It's incompatible. It's an oct- I, love, I love how one commentator this week put it this way. A life of living in sin and living in the Savior is an oxymoron. Living in sin and living in the Savior is an oxymoron. It does not make sense and is spiritually absurd. A life of practicing sin, practicing righteousness. Can't do it. You can't do it. John clearly emphasizes here that whoever practices righteousness, now what's righteousness, okay? Greek meaning for righteousness there is doing what God says is right. That's why it's called righteousness. You're doing what God says is right and being obedient to his word by the power of his spirit. Because we can't do it on our own. Whoever's doing that is genuinely in the faith and it is seen through, how do we see this? A habitual increase in holiness as they grow more and more into the image of Christ. That was this quote we started off today by John Piper. Increasing vigilance. 
okay? Marked not by habitual sin, but habitual holiness as the image of Christ is more made manifest in us. But those who engage in habitual sin that is unchecked and not repented of are of the devil. You know what the term devil there? We have a whole bunch of images that come on. We come to mind, we think of the devil. The Greek, there's a different, actually two different uh, definitions in the Greek and Hebrew pointing to the same uh, person. And it is this, or being, is this. The Greek here means slanderer or accuser. Okay? All right? They're children of the devil. The slanderer or accuser. The Hebrew term is called adversary. The slanderous, accusing adversary of every believer and non-believer. And now, I love this, I love this. Now we see that those who engage in habitual sin are children of the devil. Why? Because he's the originator of sin and is always in rebellion against the law of God since the beginning of his rebellion. That's why he says since the beginning. When he fell from heaven, just look at Isaiah 14, you'll see it there. When, G- when, when God threw Satan down out of heaven. Now, we have to understand for clarity's sake, Satan is already defeated. Would you agree with me, loved ones? He's still at work in our world, right? He's still at work. He's been given a time by the Lord under the authority of God. He's been given a time. And one day he will be, when Jesus Christ comes back, he will be cast into hell for all eternity. Revelation 20, just check it out. That's good news, okay? He will be cast into hell for all eternity. And look at what happens next. Ready for this good news? Look at verse 8b. He says, the reason the Son of God, Jesus Christ, appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. John states what is, honestly, loved ones, what is nothing less than the greatest news of all time. The mission of Jesus Christ in coming to earth for us, which was to destroy the works for the devil. You know what that term destroy means? It means to set loose. It means to dissolve. It is to set free what is bound. Welcome to Christmas. Greatest rescue mission of all time. Greatest declaration of war against the principality of darkness of all time. It's to set loose. And now if we are in Christ, this is the mission that we are called to partner with him in as we fight against sin by his strength in our lives. As we fight against sin by his strength in our lives. Look at this. I love how the ESV study Bible this week, they said of this, knowing Christ, you'll see it on the screen, means becoming involved in an all-out war against the devil. Remember how I said last couple weeks, the Christian life is not a playground, loved ones. It's a battleground. I mean, we have an outreach team here from Sports Fan International right there who are going to be street preaching at the Grey Cup later today, this afternoon. It's an all-out war. Why would they do that? Because it's an all-out war we're in. And souls are literally hanging in a balance. If you cannot join them today, then I pray you would pray for them today. Because it's only by the power of God that a heart can be changed from darkness to light, from death to life. And we are in an all-out war. And I don't know if you noticed, but Satan knows his time is short. And the urgency of the hour is increasing. Jesus Christ is coming back sooner before today than ever in human history. 
We are closer to that day. Urgency, loved ones. And yet, too many people who call themselves Christians, they're, they're just playing around with sin. They're just playing around with it like it's no big deal. As if somehow they're going to control it on their own and, and that it's no big deal and, and that they have the attitude like, I got this. When I get around to it, I'll deal with this. Listen, loved ones, in love, I say this, I exhort this, I got to exhort myself in this and my family in this. That is a massive satanic lie you're believing right there. That somehow, that somehow you have control of your sin. You do not have control of it. It has you. And the mission of Jesus Christ was to destroy sin. And in his power, we must be destroying sin in our lives or it will be destroying us. One or the other. It will be destroyed. And, hey, loved ones, let's not make excuses for it. Don't cuddle with it. Don't feed it. Don't pet it on the head. Take it for a walk. Don't think that you can somehow tame it. Because the reality is, it is there to one reason, to enslave you. That's why it's there, to enslave you. A child of God is never called to entertain it and invite it in, but to destroy it by the power of the Spirit in you. That's the mission of a child of God. That was the mission of Jesus Christ that we are called to reflect. Look at, you say, well, what are you talking about? That's pretty intense. Look at Romans 8, 13. You see it on the screen. If you live according to the flesh, that is according to your sinful nature, practicing sin, you will die. But if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you destroy the deeds of the body, you will live. It's one or the other. The call to be a child of God is a call, make no mistake, the call to be a child of God is a call to go to war against the devil and sin. That's the call of a child of God. Are we joining Jesus Christ on that mission? Do we have it? Are we living with that mentality, loved ones? You may say, Pastor Ray, I think you're just taking this a bit too serious here. I mean, I don't want to become a legalist. Doesn't the devil use that one quite a bit? I don't want to become a legalist. I mean, I want to live. I only got one life here to live. I want to live. Well, <clears throat> okay. I respect that you're at that place, if that's you. But I will say this to you in love, to consider... In love, I say you have a fundamental misunderstanding of the nature of sin and its purposes for our lives. You have a fundamental misunderstanding. And the first step, John Stott said, to holy living is to recognize the nature and wickedness of sin. See, this has nothing to do with legalism, what John is talking of here. Nothing to do with legalism. It has everything to do with the fact that the sole purpose, the sole purpose of the devil has for you and I 
The sole purpose the devil has for this church, the sole purpose the devil has for your marriages and your families with your children, the sole purpose the devil has for your integrity at workplace is to destroy you. And sin is the method he uses to do it. Every kind of sin. That's his sole purpose. To destroy your marriage. To destroy this church with lack of unity and complaining and grumbling and negativity and gossip. That's what he wants. But I'm just venting. No, you're giving in to sin. Come back. This is, this is the enemy's strategy. There is no little or small compromise on this. This isn't a, well, you can believe what you believe. and I, There's no middle ground here. We can't agree to disagree on this. You say, well, how do you know that? Let's say, okay, glad you asked. Let's go to John 10.10. 10. You'll see it on the screen. Jesus says this, the thief, who's the thief? Satan, the devil. He comes only, I circle the word only there as you write that down or in your, in your Bibles. Only, this is, this is his only purpose. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. It's pretty clear. I came, Jesus says, that they may have life and have it abundantly. Here again, we see the contrast. Devil wants to lead you to death and destroy you. Jesus came to destroy the devil to bring us life. A true child of God will not walk... Now, I have to say... It's so easy for us to look at that and be like, oh, I'm going to be all, I'm just going to live my life in fear. Listen, listen, listen. A true child of God does not have to walk in fear of Satan. Okay? Remember, he's defeated already. But we need to walk in wisdom and discernment and make war against him with everything the Lord gives us to do so. If you are in Jesus Christ, you do not have to fear. If you're not, we'll see you in just a moment. So let me ask you a question. Are you engaging in an all-out war against sin and the devil? What does this look like? Okay, some things that came to mind for us this week. The entertainment choices you have in your home. When you go down to your bookshelf, when you go down to your DVD stock, when you go to your CD collection, what is on there? Again, this isn't legalism. It's saying, Lord, if I'm called to reflect the character and nature of you in holiness, is this helping me? And if not, now comes the real test. Jesus Christ or the world? Just take an evaluation. What is that for you? Entertainment choices. How about this? And engaging in an all-out war against Satan and the devil in your marriage. With your kids, hey, 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 men, men, special exhortation. You've been called by God to lead your families. Are you on your knees before the Lord, leading your wives and family to him each day? Are you making the priority of the word of God opened up in your home the priority? As we're going to see in a moment, that's one of two things God has given to us to fight Satan with all we've got. Are you opening up in your own life first? Here's one. Are you protecting the purity of your marriage bed, couples? Are you in an all-out war? 
Because here's the reality, loved ones, why I say that. What one generation allows is going to be what the next one accepts as normal. What do you want your children to take on for characteristics of what they believe a man or woman of God to be? Your classmates, your coworkers. Another one, we talked about the doctrinal deception. Who are we... Are we using biblical discernment in who you seek counsel and teaching from? Like I said, you can't just go to chapters and say, I'm going to get some spiritual help book. All I'm going to say is, use discernment. Is this matching up with God's word? Is this true with what he says? Who are you going to? And as we engage in the mission of Christ, by the power of of him in us, it is not that we stop living. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. It's not that we stop living or giving up our freedom. We actually start to truly live because we live in the freedom, power, and joy that he's come to give us. Galatians 5.1 says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to that stuff. I defeated that stuff. It doesn't have a hold on you anymore. Quit giving it say in your life. It's the freedom, the joy, the satisfaction in Christ, the peace of Christ, the power of Christ. This, this is truly living. Not in what the world says. It has nothing to do with legalism. That's a lie. And see, some of you may be asked, okay, so I want to do that. Well, how, what does God give us? To, how does God call us to engage? How does God call us to engage this battle and engage in this mission? Well, we see right clearly from the text right here, two ways, two ways. Number one is this, abiding in Christ. Look at the start of verse six. No one who abides in him, see that? Abides in him, keeps on sinning. This is having a personal relationship with Christ and staying close to or rooted in him How do I stay close to him? How do I stay rooted in him? What did he give us? Number one, through his word. Making your God time a priority. You cling to that like your life depended on it. Make your God time a priority. You say, well, how long? Listen, that's between you and the Lord. We have Bible plans back there. Five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever. Just start. Start. Making time in the word, time in worship, individually, corporately, time in the church together. Don't stop meeting together. The devil works to isolate you. He wants to pull you away from the body of Christ because there's power when God's people come together because God shows up. Through corporate worship, through living in accountability, like legit accountability. Don't say, yeah, I'm accountable and we talk about the Bears game. Listen, come on. Really? Legit accountability, like this is my heart. This is where I'm struggling. This is what's going on. These are all things that God uses that we would abide in him. And I love this. Here's why. You see this on the screen. The closer we draw to him, the less desirable sin will become because we will see it for what it is. The closer we draw to Christ. You say, but I love the world. Yeah, watch what happens when you start drawing near to Christ consistently. Watch. That's not going to stay there. Guaranteed. But I love doing these things. Watch what happens when you draw near to the Lord. The closer we draw near to him, the less desirable sin will become because we see it for what it is. Because God gives us his heart towards it. Okay, so the second way, so the first way we fight sin is abiding with him. The second way we see here, God calls us 
to this mission is this. Abiding with Christ, number two, obedience through Christ. Obedience through Christ. Look at the back half of verse seven and the start of verse eight. Little children, let no one deceive you. Here it is. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. What's the practice of righteousness? Remember, remember, righteousness, doing what God says is right by being obedient to his word, by the power of his spirit in us. We can't just white knuckle it. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get so dissatisfied all the time. It has to be from God's spirit. Will we get it perfect every time, obeying God's word? Hands up if you get it perfect every time. Me neither. Good, we're all on the same page. Praise the Lord, right? We don't get it perfect every time, but know this. As we abide with him, he has promised to sustain us, strengthen us, and empower us as we fight sin in our lives. He promised it. I will give you all you need for life and godliness through Jesus Christ. All you need in that situation you're facing. This is why we never have to lose hope. And we can confidently say, as you'll see on the screen from 1 Corinthians 15, you know what, let's read this together, church. This is a war cry. This is our anthem. Ready? Oh, death. Where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? In your face, devil. In your face. Hold fast. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. To live as a child of God, you must remember the character of Christ, holiness. You must engage in the mission of Christ, destroying sin, And as you do that, it leads to our final point of the day, displaying the marks of Christ, righteousness and love. Let's read 9 and 10. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. See, John finishes this section by stating what has now become obvious. Those who are truly born again will not make a practice of sinning in their lives. And he tells us the reason for that. Here's the reason they can't. Not that they just won't choose to sin. It's that they can't keep on sinning habitually, unrepentantly. Why? Because God's seed abides in them. What's the seed? What's the seed? The Greek there for seed. I love this. This I was so blessed by this in prep this week. The Greek word there for seed means offspring. The, The Greek word for that is sperma. It means offspring. Meaning that those who have a personal relationship through Jesus Christ have now been born of God, becoming children of God, and have been given a new nature by him that cannot be taken away. Awesome. Awesome. A new nature that can't be taken away. I love how 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. You'll see it on the screen. Therefore, if anyone... Yeah, but he's so much holier than me. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and the new, behold, the new has come. The new has come. That old person that would be so enslaved and tempted to sin, that person's dead in Jesus Christ. He's given you a new seed in you that's going to bear fruit, that's going to continue to move us more into his image, and this seed or new nature will continually produce the fruit of righteousness more and more from one degree of glory to the next. And we cannot, that's why he says cannot, strong word. We cannot live lives of practicing ongoing habitual sin if you are truly in Christ. The seed won't let you. 
the new nature. That doesn't define you anymore. I don't like that stuff. Get out of here. Why? Because here's why. Here's what the new nature seals for us. We are destined to be like Jesus. Isn't that awesome? The new nature assures that you and I are destined to be like Jesus and are moving more and more towards that in our lives here until it is completed when we see him face to face. We are eternally secure in Christ and he will complete his work in us. Amen? That's an amen right there, church. Yes, amen. This is why John can go on to say in the final verse, look at verse 10, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So clear, God's word so clear. John finishes with a summary of the previous five verses he's just unpacked. People are either children of God or they're children of the devil. And the way they live their lives in righteousness and love towards others are the indicators of whose child they really are. As John Piper says, doing confirms being. Not doing in your own strength, not doing to earn your salvation, doing in the power of Jesus Christ in you. Doing confirms being. Why? Because here's the reality. What God calls us to, to live lives of righteousness and a love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Contextually, he's talking about believers in the church, your brother, your sister. It's only possible to do by the power of Christ in us. We can't do this on our own. Loved ones, we can't do this on our own strength. And how do we know it takes the power of God? Well, let's just, let's just look for a quick sec at that Greek word for love right there. Who does not, one who does not love his brother. Do you, know, do you know what the Greek word for that love is? Agapeo. God's setting a pretty big standard right here. You know what that means? Agapeo. To take pleasure in, long for doing what the Lord prefers. Not what you prefer. Not what you want to see happen. But what the Lord prefers in serving others in the church and not basing our love for them on our own preferences or what they do for us. That's a pretty high standard. And we're going to unpack that next week about what it means to have a love for one another. Hey, this hit me as we start to close out here today. It's this. Did you ever notice this? Children will always take on the characteristics of their parents. Sometimes it's physically. Sometimes we'll be sitting around the table and I'll, my boys will say something. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa we're, hey, come on, where are you getting that? Well, Dad, you said it. <laughs> come on. Right? Sometimes it's in our actions. But we will always take on the characteristics of our parents. And all of us here, right here, right now, and every person around this world, 8 billion plus, will either display the character of God in righteousness increasingly or the character of Satan in practicing sin habitually. One or the other. There's no middle ground. And after seeing all the evidence that John has just so clearly laid out here, it comes down to this question. Ready? To use a trendy term. I try to stay away from trendy terms. Let's use a trendy term here. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Hey, 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 loved ones, up here, eyes up. I love that you're taking notes. But you gotta ask yourself, 
you've got to remind yourself of this truth. Like father, like son. Who's your daddy? The truth is this. Without the new birth, it's impossible for us to live like new people. Impossible. No new birth, you can't live like a new person. So, last question of the day, loved ones. How about you? First off, very clear. Are you a child of God? Look at the text. Are you living a life by the power of Jesus Christ increasingly in holiness? Again, not sinless perfection. But saying, wow, I'm not where I was before, but by the grace of God, I'm here now, moving towards this. Can you see that? Husbands, ask your wives. Are you a child of God? Are you living like it? Is the evidence that we've just seen of what God says his children are to be like growing in clarity in your life? Are you remembering the character of Christ, the holiness, the nature we're called to reflect as children of God? Are you engaging in the mission of Christ, destroying sin in your life by abiding with Christ and being obedient to him by the power of his work in and through you? Are you engaging in that mission? Are you displaying the marks of Christ, righteousness and doing what is right in God's eyes and having a love for your brothers and sisters in Christ that seeks their welfare above your own? Just evaluate it. And if you're here, maybe you're here and you've, you realized I'm not living as a child of God because I'm not a child of God. Without a new birth, it's impossible to live like new people. You can't do it. And if you try to, it won't last. I tried for a long time. It won't last. And your first step here today, if that's you, is to recognize you are a sinner in need of a Savior and God has given you one through Jesus Christ. And he says, come as you are right now. You will not be the same. Don't clean yourself up. I came for you right there. And so if that's you, I exhort you, the Bible's so clear, today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Let today be the day of your salvation. Come on up and talk to us. Pray. Pray with those people around you. Whatever. Just come and we want to talk about what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ. And if you're here and you know, yeah, I'm a child of God, ask yourself this. Where am I and where am I not living as a child of God is called to live? Where am I and where am I not? I see it here. Over here, not so much. And then, Where is your practice not matching your proclamation? Humble yourself unto the Lord, repent of it, and then thank him, loved ones. Thank him. Thank him for those areas where you are seeing fruit and keep pressing into him, believing that his word is true and he will never leave you or forsake you, but he will see that his work in you is brought to completion. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Father, I pray right now that your light would shine brightly in the darkest recesses of our hearts, illuminating where am I not walking, where am I not living as a child of God. And God, we would not in pride reject that conviction. We would come under it confess it, and then say, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you that you came to take that. Every sin that I have done, everything I'm doing, and everything that I will do, 
And by our eternal security in you, we will see you face to face and that work brought to completion. Oh, may that be our hope today. I pray, Heavenly Father, for this church that we would be so passionately in love with Jesus Christ that the thought of entertaining sin is morbid to us. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would unite this army of brothers and sisters in Christ to press in to know you, to make war against sin, but to love one another as you have loved us. Oh God, from a growing love for you, may it happen into the lives of each other. We pray this now for the glory of your name. Press this word into our hearts. In Jesus' name, great are you.